Shinsuke, you've not been cleared for competition tonight following your grueling no disqualification match at Backlash. Is this issue between you and AJ Styles over? No. Speak English. Shinsuke, we know that you speak English. We've heard you speak English before. Oh, yes. I learned English, but I've forgotten it. So now, no speak English. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. We want to smack down. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Smackdown. John Pollock waiting with you. It's a late Tuesday night. It's probably a Wednesday morning for you. It's May the 9th. How are you, Way? Doing well. Doing pretty well. I'm surprised you're doing well, because we finished late Monday night, and you were going to do your usual uh, role of uploading our show afterwards, and you casually mentioned that you, uh, a good friend of yours, was getting married on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. How are you doing right now? How did you pull this off with your... Hmm. Strange schedule. Are you exhausted right now? Did you strategically sleep? Well, uh, yeah, I finished uh, probably about uh, everything. Uh, I don't know. I think you you were emailing me at like seven a.m. So I don't know when you could have slept in all of this. Oh well, I mean, I I the show was uploaded by two. I think I went to sleep at about like three thirty or something. And okay. uh, and I probably did. I email you at seven or I I woke up probably at about eight o'clock and then I I, I proceeded to get to the wedding, which isn't too far away. By the way, it wasn't a proper wedding. It was just like the, the city hall ceremony. Wedding is to come. Um, okay. So it's it wasn't a big deal at all. Like, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not like you have to get dressed up for it. It's just like the whole thing takes like half an hour. Um, city city hall is far for you, though. No, nah, Markham City Hall. Oh, okay. I was yeah. thinking downtown city hall. No, no, okay. no, no. No, this was like 15 minutes away. So I'm, I'm putting like such a... I'm putting you over here for just like your unbelievable endurance and you're really downplaying your, your feet here. Well, I certainly uh, was a bit tired um, afterwards uh, because I, I still probably didn't get enough sleep. And so I decided to go home and I took a nap. And let me tell you, this was an amazing nap. Congratulations. Oh, got like 80 minutes. It, it, was, it was excellent. It, it made all the difference. This is really going to really emphasize our age but oh, like i know i i love naps and it's so hard now to ever get one in uh because it's not up to me when i get to uh go sleep but uh mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes my wife will be uh have mercy on me and will just tell me you can go lie down for a little if you'd like i'm like thank you i just need like 10 minutes and then i'll stretch that to 25 and i'll get up and i feel like an iphone that's just been charged overnight it, it, all I all I need is twenty twenty five minutes, and I am a new person. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, I I know like some offices have like napping rooms. I think they should be mandatory for every workplace. Mandatory naps. I feel like we'd be so much more productive. Anytime you've ever had bad service at a restaurant, I'd chalk that up to not enough naps. If we had mandatory nap time, 
I, I mean, the world would be a better place. You'd probably see, that would be an interesting study over the, say, six months where you introduce a mandatory nap time in, in, in a shift. Because I think you could get away shifting people for longer amounts of time, but you give them like this mandatory break in there that recharges them. I'd be curious what the end goal would be after doing like a study of, say, 500 people and how much more productive they were if they could have a nap at one in the afternoon. It could also completely break down society and uh, the world would maybe turn into chaos. Very possible if we did have uh, institutionalized naps. What if Twitter eliminated mentions? You could never see mentions any longer. Twitter was only you could send out messages, but you can't be you can't respond to anybody on Twitter. You can only read their content without comments. How did you get to that from our discussion about naps? I'm just talking about the things in my brain that I crave. That could be a better world. Think about think about all of these great things and the positive you talk about with YouTube, with Twitter, with Facebook. Now eliminate comments from it. And what a more positive experience you'd probably have. Man, I disagree. I love YouTube comments, good and bad. Like YouTube comments often are very, are very toxic, but at the same time, there's such an honesty about them that uh, if you want harsh, honest, brutal criticism, I, I think there, there should be places on the internet where you can turn to for, for things like that. As far as like mentions go, I mean, you just, you could just ignore them. You could, or you could just mute everybody, mute every account that you come into contact with. I wonder, I wonder if Donald Trump ever goes through his mentions. Do you think he gets a kick out of that? Because he has to have the most volatile Twitter account in the world. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yes. In terms of volume. Yeah. In terms of volume. I'm sure there's other people that get uh, horrendous stuff. I'd love to know that stat per minute, per second. How many tweets are there towards Donald Trump? Oh, it's got to be amazing. And I imagine like right below him is probably Justin Bieber. I'm going to pick up a random tweet here, okay? This was from uh, from Monday. Donald Trump, I will be announcing my decision on the Iran deal tomorrow from the White House at 2 p.m. That's it. That's the tweet. Let's look at some of these comments. Well, he is mine, and I will be proud to vote for him again in 2020. He'll be gone by then. I'm thinking about January 2019, right after the blue tsunami wipes out the Republican majority. This is all kind of civil stuff. Well, let's not let's not dive too too deep into this. I'm gonna I'm gonna stumble upon something that's gonna uh, just send everybody into a frenzy. Did you hear? Uh, I I only I, I don't know the full story about this, but I was walking by a TV today at a store and I saw on CP24 the headline, uh, PC party rally, uh has hired actors like so there's like a conservative party rally uh mm-hmm. the other day in toronto and i guess the word they got out people to be voters to, to be to, to, to audience members to play like people holding up signs like in at the rally basically oh. like it the word got out via some casting agency who admitted that uh some candidate hired went through them to hire people they went to the agency that Impact used at Bound for Glory. Very, very, very likely. Who knows? But, I mean, this made headlines. I, I don't doubt it's, the, it's something that, like, has existed many times in politics. But I found it interesting that 
this made news because I mean, you know, we always say politics and professional wrestling are very similar, but um, like things like this don't don't shock me. Like maybe because I cover professional wrestling, but I I don't know. I feel like mm. does it but does it bother you that politics uses tactics like that? No, it doesn't because I I don't have faith in honest politicians. I suppose. Wow. I didn't even fo- I didn't even hear about this story, but uh, no, probably not surprising, but probably not the. I don't know. There's there's such a divide that it's only going to cause your PC base to double down and defend, and it'll outrage your liberal party. Yes, and it'll. It's never just end. that that's politics in a nutshell. Now mm-hmm. you can say anything, and the it's either you justify or you condemn based on uh, what what jersey you wear. That's it. Yep, pretty much. Well, let's go into the non-political world of SmackDown, the blue brand, the left-leaning brand, I guess the Democratic Party of the WWE. Uh, we will also mention, uh, I'm going to rewind now, we have a number of shows coming up this week on Wednesday. Sorry, before, we before have... you even get to that, I, I mean, oh, I'm just, oh, I'm just oh. thinking about that concept. How, what concept? I mean, the, the, the idea that maybe to divide Raw and SmackDown, you make one show the oh, progressive... Uh, the progressive show and the other show is the more conservative show. So maybe I'll, I love this. I'll I love this. SmackDown. SmackDown uh, refuses to participate in the Saudi Arabia deal. Uh, <laughs> yes. Raw, Raw. Um, okay, Raw announces, uh, Raw sends Arya Davari away because they're backing out of the the Iran deal. Well, I'm even thinking just more progressive and conservative, conservative in in terms of their forms of wrestling. Or we're like maybe SmackDown. Uh, you know. High flying, Will Osprey, you're welcome. Come in, and then on Raw, it's like all just old school stuff. You, you work don't, a hold, yeah, exactly. Chin lock, chin lock, chin lock, everything. Um, I, 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 I don't know that they would never do something like this, but I think, I think any type of difference between the brands would be would be great if it was a philosophical difference between the brands. I think that'd be awesome. It would give some something different. You mm-hmm. could have. Man, imagine Kurt Angle and Paige espousing their their philosophies on pro wrestling to one another. You really had a debate. I mean, you really had the perfect guy to lead the liberal brand of SmackDown in Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, and uh, who would you have? Who would you cast on Raw? Um, Kane. Well, <laughs> Kane. I mean, Kane was like a libertarian yeah, until he he realized I should run as a Republican. Uh, <laughs> JBL. JBL. Maybe Done. it's fine. Like the just for the promos. I mean, I would I would love Jim Cornette to be involved in this. Uh, mm. Even though Jim Cornette is, I mean, in actual politics, he's actually a, like a far left leaning mm-hmm. individual. Even though some might believe his his wrestling philosophies are very conservative. Mm. You might be onto something. Mm. Way maybe this is like the way the brand split should have been hatched because God knows this brand split is. I don't know why we have two. Why do we even have two two brands? Well, for touring, um, I don't know because they have so much. They, talent. They, they were touring with with like two crews when they were all together, right? Well, like, there's no rivalry. There's nothing. So, what would two hundred five live be? Two hundred five live would be, um, uh, it would be like the Ross Perot of of politics, where they're just trying to they're just trying to like. Uh, spoil the vote and to just steal voters away from from one side or the other, and it really means the the Jill Stein maybe is more of well, a modern term. That's what two hundred five live is. Or they'd be the, the 
the party that nobody pays any attention to. They'd be the, what, the marijuana party, maybe? Mm. I don't know. Well, you can you can reform 205 Live in your in your imagination. Uh, back to our shows. Um, everyone knows what shows we have coming up. We've got up next, we've got Keep It 2000 coming up this week. Uh, Friday, we have a special Rewind Away show reviewing Survivor Series 96. I sat down today to watch the entire rest of this show. I only made it through 20 minutes because there was a lot of news going on today. So I have a lot to watch this week. Uh, that is going to be up Friday at postwrestlingcafe.com. Saturday, we have a UFC card. In fact, we have a UFC and Bellator card on Saturday night. Uh, so I will have a show up Saturday night uh, reviewing the UFC card, and I will go through the results of Bellator. Not sure if I'm going to get around to seeing that card or not. And then Sunday, what's happening on Sunday, Way? We've got the roundtable. We've got the roundtable with Arda Ocal on the show. So I've, I've set it up. I'm wiping it down. It's very round. I'm rounding it even more so that perfect. the three of us, you, me, and Arda, can look at each other square in the eye as we discuss whatever is going on in the current life of Arda Ocal, and maybe in the former life of one Arda Ocal, and maybe even a Kyle Edwards. Maybe it'll be a square table. Ooh. Maybe maybe we'll keep a seat for Kyle. Yeah. So much to discuss with uh, one Arda Ocal. So check that out Sunday up at postwrestling.com. Uh, but we will now go into SmackDown from Tuesday night in Baltimore, Maryland at the Royal Farms Arena, which if you didn't know, was the arena that Daniel Bryan became world champion in, cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase in 2011. You may not have been aware of this. At the end of this show, it would be a hard stat to have missed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Paige came out, and she took any amount of credibility that she had uh, been able to muster over this last couple of weeks as GM, uh, put it into an envelope, sealed it shut, and mailed it away as she proclaimed Backlash a smashing success, which got the greatest reaction from this crowd that was n oh. mixed would be the polite term. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I felt the crowd was trying to be polite in their support of, of Paige. Like, Paige basically, like, it, it, it was like a great trick. I mean, a politician's trick where she led the, like, led the promo out, off with, like, a bunch of yes statements. Uh, who's, who wants to see some great wrestling tonight? Yay! Who likes Daniel Bryan? Yay! Backlash was a smashing success. Wait. Uh, yay! This, <laughs> this woman blind? <laughs> anyway, she tried. Oh, she did try. She put over Daniel Bryan's win, said that Styles Nakamura was on its way to becoming a classic, and Paige did not foresee that finish when she made this a no-DQ match. You didn't foresee this, Paige. You didn't foresee... That the central body part has been a penis for this entire feud. That both of them were not able to get up after trauma to their penises. After having a previous double countout, she could not foresee that another countout would be in store. Well, I don't know how many of us did foresee that finish. That's true. But she didn't exactly... Um, she didn't exactly eliminate the possibility after having this exact finish happen a week earlier. So what's up next? Like, what do they have to do? Like, no, like, I think that, I think it's clearly going to be a last man standing match. <laughs> so they can do all the nut shots they want. Maybe it's going to be a castration match. I, I think that's what we're working towards. Yeah. Nut up or shut up. Mm. The final frontier. Wow. 
AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. From the, from the Tokyo Dome, both men put their eggs on the line. Oh, God. Well, she says that at Money in the Bank, SmackDown needs to win these briefcases, so she has to put the best that the, the show has to offer. I was just questioning. Why, why is Paige... Why would Paige care if they get the briefcases or not? Does it make this show feel important when you have briefcases attached to the show? Wouldn't it just cause chaos amongst your top stars that are champions that have this distraction? Why, why would a GM be incentivized to want to have a briefcase? I mean, I think, I think it's bragging rights, you know, that, that somebody from your team has won this very coveted thing. And I think, I mean, just from, I think it adds excitement to the show to have this element in there. She should explain that. She should explain what the quarter hours are like when you do a, a briefcase tease and how this will help viewership if we have the briefcase on our show as opposed to on Raw, which did a horrible number on Monday, by the way. They got murdered mm-hmm. by the Raptors and, more importantly, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, the Raptors got murdered. Oh, God. Yeah. For nothing way. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Not a great postseason for our hockey team or our basketball team. And the Jays just, uh, they were the victims of a no-hitter today. What a, and, what a and, slump. And, and that story about Osuna came out. Well, that was, that was pretty awful. Just a bad day overall for Toronto news. Yes, all Toronto has is its politics. So our first match was Jeff Hardy against Miz. Money in the Bank qualifying match. Uh, Hardy came out with a rainbow sleeve outfit. Yeah. It's very colorful. Uh, Graves points out momentum on the side of Jeff Hardy after beating Randy Orton. Phillips notes that Hardy lost his title in 2009 from a Money in the Bank cash-in, where a mysterious man in a hood came out, (laughs) cashed in, and swooped into the history books. Never identified. Miz crawled away as Hardy climbed up on top. They went through one commercial. They came back. They were on the floor, and Miz got the attention of this child in the front row. And when the child was focused on Miz, Miz made a fist and then ran and attacked Jeff Hardy, who fought back and hit a clothesline off the barricade. And Twist of Fate was countered by Miz on several occasions. They went through a second commercial break. Finally, Jeff hit the whisper in the wind. He hit him so hard that he did something to his mouth because we got a close-up of him adjusting his mouth guard. Yeah, there's a. I noticed a, a little bit of blood. Maybe oh, there was, there was a bit of blood on this show from mm-hmm. guys from the mouth. So guys working very snug on this show, it seemed like. But um, yeah, had a nice fitted mouth guard. Clear. Are you sure? Uh, I, I, I couldn't tell if they were, uh, it was a mouth guard or if they were veneers. It looked like a mouth guard. I mean, I didn't pause, but maybe I should have. I, fi- I, I would figure after he had his teeth destroyed that... Uh, Actually, no, he was the, the one who caused the teeth to be destroyed of Cesaro. Never mind. No, no, no. Wasn't Didn't it? He? I he think he was. He had his own teeth issues. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah they, I thought Byron, he did. Byron mentioned that too. Yeah. Okay, well, then he should be wearing a mouth guard. Yep. Which I assume this is. Miz crotched him on the top. Sunset flip powerbomb by Jeff, and Miz's head just bounced off the mat. They showed this on the replay. Uh, this looked fun. Twist of Fate, skull crushing finale are blocked. Now when Jeff comes out of the ropes with that jumping drop kick, it is now the Hardiac arrest. What how do you grade that? As a pun? Yeah. 
Scale um, of, of one to ten. It's not bad. It's it almost feels kind of late to be coming up with hearty puns this late in his career, especially for a movie he's been doing since the dawn of time. But sure, it's Corey the, Graves has come up with a clever one. It's the only, uh, I guess, the twist of fate is sort of a pun, isn't it? Um, but the the first hearty pun, they're not really known to use the word hearty as as a punning thing. Yeah, I mean they've done rhymes before. He was, you know, trying to start a. A hearty party at one time. But yeah, you've really not got too much uh, hearty puns. Hearty har har. Uh, then on his third try, he hits the twist of fate, climbs to the top, hits the swanton, which was so effective that the Miz just immediately used a crucifix on Hardy and pinned him out of nowhere. Um, that said, a good match here between these two. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought so. I thought it took a while to get there, but I thought it turned into another... Good match uh, for The Miz. This was obviously not as good as the Seth Rollins match on Sunday. But no, I'll say, nor did it have the audience for it. But I'll say this was certainly much better than the Hardy-Orton match from Sunday. So yes. if you need to slot The Miz anywhere, I mean, I would, I, maybe I would slot him right somewhere in between that. Because this was better than Hardy versus Orton, which I think is saying something. I mean, you know, The Miz is somebody who's solid, but he needs somebody to carry. And that role went to Jeff Hardy tonight. And I think Jeff deserves a lot of credit for, you know, still going the pace that he still goes at his age with the mileage on his body. I mean, I think he's somebody who, when he started, like somebody who we all pegged to have a shorter career than most going at his style and taking the risks that, that he's taken. But I mean, this far in, how old is this guy now? He's in his 40s at least, right? I don't think he's quite 40. What do you think he is? What's your guess? Okay, then I'll say I, I, 39. Oh, he... he he is 40, actually. He'll be 41 in August. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, still this far in, he's he's not really like, he's obviously not at his, in his prime, but he hasn't deteriorated that much. Like, he's still trying to live up to, you know, the image of Jeff Hardy, still doing everything that he's doing, going at a, at a pretty high pace. And I have to imagine at this point, he's probably using a lot more heart uh, to make up for, you know, maybe maybe some, maybe maybe the, the body at the, so um, I think he deserves some credit. Yeah, I think his physical limitations kind of come through when you have a match where the audience isn't going crazy for him. I think that kind of um, compensates at times where as a match where it's kind of a subdued audience, you're kind of paying more attention that just the way this guy goes from A to B, like you can see the miles that he has mm -hmm. at this point, but always works hard. Yes, I mean, that's never that's never in doubt. He doesn't coast at all and certainly didn't hear. And Hardy just sat shocked in the ring, which would be a, a common theme for some of the baby faces in these qualifying matches. Sheamus and Cesaro are backstage, and Sheamus is just eating Lucky Charms to feel better about losing to Xavier Woods last week. Oh, it wasn't New Day cereal. No, he said he was eating Lucky Charms. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, if you had to quiz me, and I had a million dollars on the line, I couldn't have recalled Sheamus losing to Xavier Woods last week. But they tell me it happened. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, he said that last week it was a bigger upset than Liverpool and Chelsea. And then it led to a gag where both of them had pancakes in their gear bag. And there were hundreds of pancakes. I know. The pancake budget for, the, for the, these shows is probably up there. Probably in the hundreds, at least. Um, I enjoyed watching that bit in, in this skit. Imagining Cesar and Seamus. Rather than pancakes, finding shit in their bags instead. 
Because oh, ro- Randy Orton wasn't on the show. Yeah, this is the because I'm taking this to be the PG version of the Randy Orton rib. Well, I wish the pancake segment was better than this. <laughs> they aired a promo for Sanity. I'd already forgotten they were coming to SmackDown, but they are. Renee interviewed Nakamura outside of his dressing room. He has not been cleared tonight, but he's here. And Renee asks if he still has an issue with AJ. He says, no, speak English. <laughs> and Renee says, we all know you. You are aware of English. You know how to speak English. And he admits he does know English, but he's forgotten it. And when he's pressed by Renee, he says, AJ Styles, nuts. But so am I. <laughs> we are not finished. Oh, I think these promos are brilliant. Like, they found a great way to turn this man's deficiency into a strength. He can't cut great lengthy English promos. So instead, he's going to cut short, deliberately small English promos just to fuck with you. And he's going to deny the audience any words of substance at all by pretending he doesn't speak English. I mean, I, if they I, if there's ever a video of like Vince McMahon producing him on these promos, it would be so offensive. I, it would be very offensive, but you know what? It's working, and and I can't be it mad is. at it. I really can't because this is so much better than I think what what he was doing prior. Uh, I wonder how long they've been working on this for his heel character, and all the credit in the world to whoever's coming up with it, and of course the Nakamura himself for you know the the fantastic delivery of something like this like no speak english is something my parents would say to like telemarketers it's very effective so uh i could feel renee's frustration here in fairness she got everything she wanted out of this interview she pressed on him and then he admitted that we're not finished yet so mission was accomplished here by renee i didn't sense the the reason for her frustration at the end of this she got her answer Mm. carmella did a promo over and over again, stating she beat Charlotte Flair. And it's time to party, but not in a low-rent city like Baltimore. She's going to London to throw a royal celebration, and the royal family isn't invited. Ric Flair is not invited, and reminds everyone that Ric Flair has a daughter, and she beat her. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Carmella, ever since she's won the title, she's been doing the thing where she's been gloating about winning, gloating about beating Charlotte. And I feel like that act might work for about a month. But for me, like, this was the point tonight where I feel like she started, she needs to start getting serious. And by that, I mean, like, she needs to find a way to actually prove that she is a threat, that she is somebody who is not to be underestimated. Unfortunately, in ring, she she can't play that character right now. But I'm at least hoping next week for a serious promo, which I know she's very <laughs> capable of. I don't know if you're getting that at the Royal Melibration. Well, no, but I mean, at the last Melibration or when, when, when she won, like, I think when she won the money in the bank. Anyway, she's, she's cut these like very scathing, you know, like you all underestimated me, but look at where I am now type types of promos. And she's been very effective at those. Uh, I think she needs more of those and they need to really find a way to, to back that up in ring with her. If she can't do it with her wrestling, then book around it. Does everyone remember Ty Dillinger? He believes he's going to get a qualifying match. And that's it. 
Naomi cut a promo. She reminded us she won the WrestleMania Battle Royal. And, and what a great choice that was. Really yeah. propelled this current story forward with Naomi. Who won, the other, who won the other Battle Royal? Oh, Braun. No way. Who won? No, it wasn't Braun. The, the Andre Battle Royal? Yeah. It was won by... Oh, my goodness. It's really been important, hasn't it? Um, oh, Matt Hardy. I, yeah. But Jesus Christ. I, I wouldn't have thought of that off the top of my head. That happened one month ago today. It's because like they, they have Braun winning the other Battle Royal, not even a month later. So uh, the other Seriously, one... Seriously, a month, a month later. What, what did those Battle Royals mean? Like That's the reason. They, these things are just... They're totally inconsequential, yeah, which absolutely. I guess is fine, but... No, it's not fine. I think I think the winner should get something. You know, well, there should be the some reason. stakes. New the you winner get, you, winner gets new shoes. Sure, the winner Great. gets free tonkatsu for a year, just like Okada did for winning a winning the Okada match. Did you catch that? He wins the match, and then they present him with like a certificate for like free food for like a year. Thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Flair versus Peyton Royce. Royce and Billy Kay came out before. They have t-shirts now. Billy Kay shared a story about her uncle who has a stutter. I guess she's related to Matt Morgan. And when he watched Backlash, he saw the look on Charlotte's face that they showed on the screen, and it sent him into hysterics. He laughed for over an hour, and this cured his stutter. And he thanks Charlotte for this. Just a ridiculous story, but... Uh, again, I think fantastic delivery from Billy Kay. Um, it it really is amazing, like how ready these two were for the main roster. And I'll say, you know, they're probably the types of talent that are that are going to find more success on the main roster than they did in NXT. Where I think in NXT, in ring is kind of valued a bit higher than your promo ability. On the main roster, in front of like a larger arena audience, it it's almost it's it's a bit it kind of favors you know the people who could talk. They said they'd like to bottle up Charlotte's anger and sell it as disappointment by Charlotte, which I think would be very funny if they came out with a fragrance that they could use as heels to like blind the baby face during the match. Sure. This could be a great marketing idea. And Royce tried to mimic Charlotte's face. This was not met with any kind of reaction and stated the future is iconic. Mm. We didn't get any impressions from Royce this week. They went through the break early. Fairly long match between these two. Uh, Charlotte did her comeback with the strut, the chops. Then she ducked a spin kick and grabbed the leg, but Royce made it to the ropes to avoid the the figure four. And Charlotte went for a pescado onto Billy Kay, hit it, but then this allowed Royce to hit a neck breaker on her. Back in the ring, Royce got elbowed by Charlotte, and she hit the ref. You could not imagine how light she ran into this referee who had to demonstrate an ability to lose his cognitive functions temporarily. Kay then nailed Charlotte, and this led to a near fall off a spin kick. Royce then missed a spin kick running into the corner, which looked very daunting. She took a big boot, and then Charlotte climbs to the top. With her bad knee, she just has to go for this moonsault. This is her father's just going to the top rope now. That's her moonsault. And she comes down and is supposed to hit the knees of Peyton Royce. Uh, unfortunately, there was a Lamborghini that drove in the distance that missed the knees here. And Charlotte speared her for a two count, roll up, then transitions into the figure eight and gets the win. And since it's money in the bank season, 
Charlotte pointed to where the briefcase was above the ring. Um, I, I think this was this was putting Peyton Royce out for a very long stretch, and I thought you saw some of her shortcomings in this match. Uh, but what what did you think about the actual match? Well, this was a two two segments for these two. Yeah. Well. Well. First, I want to mention like the fact that um the a, a run sheet leaked at the end of Backlash or during right. Backlash on Sunday. I think like for me puts a bit more attention onto the layout of a match and not just necessarily the performers involved in it. And so for a match like this, I thought this was a match that was actually laid out really well with with a lot of good near falls designed. Um. And it's not like Peyton messed up that much anywhere, but being in there with Charlotte, I think really highlights like how awkward and she is in ring and trying to execute the the script of the match. I, I just don't find her all that fluid with her movements. She's very loose and kind of slow, like, uh, unfortunately, just kind of just kind of in that uh, more of that like mm, Tori Wilson type of mold rather than I think what, what the current crop of wrestlers demand. So I feel like as good as like her uh, promo that she and Billy Kay are in 2018, being a good promo can only take you so far. Like you'll get people paying attention and you'll get people watching, you know, maybe your first few matches. But in order to continue and in order to be taken seriously as a champion, as we're seeing with Carmella, you need to have a level of entering comp- competency in order to be taken seriously. And I, Elias is in that that group. Sure. Yeah. And I worry, you know, about how far somebody a Peyton, like a Peyton Royce or, or Billy Kay can go. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think the match was anything special. Charlotte wins, so she's now beaten both of them oh, in singles she? matches. Well, she beat Billy Kay a few weeks ago on TV. Dasha then interviewed Daniel Bryan, and he's got to fight through the pain tonight after Cass attacked him. No big Cass on this show. And he said it's his first step towards money in the bank, and said the last time he won it, he cashed it in on the big show right here in Baltimore. We had a promo from Shelton Benjamin. He made Money in the Bank famous, and he's going to take an opportunity that no one else will give him. His career highlights have been in ladder matches, and the biggest is yet to come. But the biggest promo was yet to come, and that was next from Asuka. And we got our text on the screen. Climb, grab, cash in. Asuka, help, help, NXT, now, main roster, dying. What did she say about NXT? That was my addition to this. Oh, oh never mind. Sorry. I should have paid closer attention. Uh, that's very funny. Um, she was the only one who got the words on screen. Yeah. Why well, is that special? Or was that... I don't know. Well, of all the promos, I guess she... Hers kind of. How, how do they determine it. which one is going to get the text on the screen? Mm. Like, why Oscar and not Ty Dillinger or Shelton? Uh, I don't know. These are questions that uh, I don't have answers to. But um, wow. very simple English uh, in Oscar's promo. I thought, you know, I thought she did fine, but fine is not good. Not necessarily good. Uh, I think she's still struggling to kind of mesh her incredible physical charisma with her very limited English uh, in a way that works as well as Shinsuke. Xavier Woods versus Cesaro. Uh, The audience was going nuts chanting for pancakes. This might have been the hottest reaction all night, the pancakes. Hmm. Cesaro attacked Woods from behind as Woods was talking to the referee and then took over. 
there was a wheelbarrow by Woods that he turned into this inverted code red. Seamus was distracting Xavier, and Cesaro rolled him up using the ropes for leverage, but the New Day knocked his legs off. Big E starts throwing pancakes at Seamus. Kingston dives off the apron, taking out Seamus. Xavier comes off the top rope into a Cesaro uppercut. Cesaro pins him, and Xavier was... You could see him bleeding from the mouth. And then we come back into the ring for several seconds later. And there is blood dripping all over his arm. He really got the shit knocked out of himself. Yeah. It was was like blood mixed with saliva at this point. Like this had to have been the uppercut at the end because he wasn't bleeding prior. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a very um, costly loss. A lot of mouth blood here on this show. Yeah. But he had his teeth, I hope. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I thought. Should have worn a mouth guard. I think they should probably be mandatory at this point. Um, yeah, just this was just a good little singles match to continue the feud between these two teams. Yeah, I thought I thought Woods did pretty well. Renee interviewed AJ. His cheek looked so awful. Mm-hmm. This looked like someone had a gigantic cigar and put it out in his cheek. This looked so painful. Yeah, yeah, from that chair to the face. Holy Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so forget knee to the face, chair to face. Mm -hmm. Uh, He doesn't want to fight. He hasn't been cleared tonight. Sorry, he doesn't want to fight like they did on Sunday, but he will if he has to and says they're not done yet and he will finish Nakamura if he has the guts. I thought he was going to say if he has the nuts just to fully complete our theme for the Mm -hmm. night. So that was it. They really had no... Like, it's too early to announce this match for six weeks from now at Money in the Bank, but just felt kind of like we had no ideas for these two tonight other than these quick interview segments just to have a presence on the show, which I guess you needed from them, though I didn't think it was completely necessary. Yeah. It's Could really, have just said they're, they're selling the effects of their war from Sunday. It's really too bad uh, Great Balls of Fire is no longer a show they're building up to. Could you imagine? Like, that was the July show. You mm-hmm. you would have had to stretch this till now. And then it would have made perfect sense. I think I would have forgiven all of these uh, low blows and all of these non-finishes. Unless one of them was just sick of this creative and they decided that they were going to take their balls and go home. Then we went backstage and had uh, a pan of all these action figures of the tag division that have been destroyed. And it reveals the bludgeon brothers in this red lit room. And they have their own toys. And they said, come play with us. We're waiting with this music playing underneath. I thought this was one of more, one of the more creative backstage spots I've seen in a while on a WWE show. I like this. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was, you know, this was, it provided some new visuals. Uh, I thought, this was a good way that um, if you want to scare children, I think this was um, maybe a good attempt at that. Um, I think I would rather see the scene of these two grown men tracking all these toys from various Toys R Us's because you know they don't stock them all that well and taking them through the checkout counter. That's the backstage skit I want to see. Maybe that'll be their YouTube exclusive. The Bludgeon Brothers on the town. Becky Lynch came out and was set for her match with Mandy Rose, which was announced last week. Rose and Sonya Deville are in the gorilla position, and they're stating both of them can be in the ladder match. 
Paige shows up and says, Absolution is dead. They state, Paige isn't their mom, and they will never abandon one another. But then Paige notes that Sonya has been barred from ringside. And she's upset and said, too bad, I'm going out anyway. But then didn't go out and just stayed there. Succumbing to the fear. So Mandy came out to her theme song, which was very heavy with the saxophone. And she walks down the aisle while everyone but her is out of focus on the shot. Yeah, yeah, they've added added like an iris blur effect to her entrance. And this got, would have got Bobby Lashley over significantly more. Oh, it would have been great if Tom was going nuts over Bobby Lashley. Shut up. Shut, Shut up, up Tom. Look at the delts. Look at the so, packs. So I'm talking about, yeah, Corey, Corey, yeah. So they've got Corey doing the Eva Marie thing for Mandy uh, as, as they've always, as he's always done. But this time I think it's, it was a lot more uh, focused and deliberate. Uh, I think it's effective. I think it makes Rand- Mandy Rose stand out. Yes. If um, this is the closest you'll get to, like a a a porn theme for for a wrestler, because that's kind of what this was. Mm, I'd say Val Venus was probably the closest. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Rose started off strong, trading forearms with her, avoided a disarmer, but then took a exploder and. Becky went for this jumping kick in the corner, which was blocked. Mandy snapped her on the ropes, neck first, and rolled up Becky in 222. Uh, they they didn't do anything ambitious, and I thought this was this was fine. Like there was nothing terrible about it. It was like a quick match, but Mandy looked fine. I, but it was very short. I hated the finish. I thought, I mean, perhaps like the neck snapping on the ropes thing is kind of tough to do and to make look convincing. Uh, without really hurting yourself, I don't know. But the way this came across felt way too tame, and because I, because the finish looked so light, I thought it was another unearned bullshit win that didn't feel convincing at all. Similar to Carmella versus Charlotte, you know, a rope to the throat just simply didn't look convincing enough of an injury for me to buy this pinfall. So, well, this show it it had like a larger theme of all these baby faces failing clean like it was just like you had so many instances on the show of these baby faces that just they lost and it, they had no excuses it must be a direction given to them where i mean well, <laughs> guys we, we have way too many baby faces that are just so popular <laughs> or God. or maybe the the idea that you know their heels don't look strong enough let's give our heels some clean wins um but man just this just didn't look good enough to me um, I, I didn't have much issue with it. It was just, it was there. Uh, I don't think it's a match that you can dissect too much into. They um, also seem to be working some type of losing streak angle with Becky. Are they doing anything with Becky? I don't even notice. Um, well, they she, made she mention. She just seems such an afterthought. They made mention specifically on commentary that she's been going through a bit of a rough patch. Oh, okay. They showed highlights of Daniel Bryan winning the money in the bank in 2011, the same night that the, the mysterious man in the, the hood won. And then cashing it in at TLC that year. Next week on the show, we're going to have, this is strange. We're going to have the New Day against the Bar, which was presented as a three-on-two match, which is a Money in the Bank qualifying match where the winning team gets to pick one person to go into the eight-man match. What? No, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I think it's a, it's probably just a way to get Kofi in there. Um, 
And that's probably it. Okay. And we're going to get the Melibration, the Royal Melibration, and the debut of Andrade Cien Almas in London. I think that's a smart move. I think London will give him a very good reaction. Aiden English comes out. He talks about Baltimore and says, more like Baltales, which is a joke I made years ago, Aiden. Keep up. He does his rap, introduces Rusev, comes out. Phillips notes that not only did Brian win the world title in this building, but as world champion in 2014, he appeared in this building on Raw after his father passed away. And then several minutes later, Corey verbatim repeated these facts. Oh, they must have not been paying attention to each other. Maybe maybe Graves was using a cheat sheet that Tom had stolen from earlier. Maybe. You know, did you? Uh, they didn't have any follow-up between uh, English and Rusev with the Lana stuff. Nothing. Nothing with week. Lana on this show at all. Mm-hmm. I, I thought there was a lot of... Like, it feels on SmackDown, they have... I've said this before. They have way too many performers on this show. And with it, you have all these storylines that are going on that either get dropped, they get forgotten. Like, even on this show, I mean, Big Cass was involved in, like, a big push. And then an angle on Sunday. Well, he tapped and... out, though. But you did the whole post-match attack. Oh, yeah, that's true. So you kind of kept that going. Hmm. It, it just seems like with all this stuff going on, you've got Sanity about to debut. You've got Almas about to debut. And like this two-hour show, it just seems crammed with stuff that it almost just feels like there's just too much going on storyline-wise to even keep track of this. Like You have no room. Like the Usos tremendous act and it's like i don't know what they're doing on this show now because there's there's no role for them Hmm. yeah it's you know it's something that i think we considered might have been a strength uh it remains to be seen it could still be a strength you know sometimes it requires like if if their story's done the use was lost at, at the greatest royal rumble and if their story's done for now then maybe give them some time off before they make a big debut re debut Rusev blocked a suicide dive early on, tossed Brian over the desk, went through a break. Brian hit his running drop kicks, a top rope Rana. Yes, kicks, but the last one he doesn't hit, and Rusev went for the accolade that Brian stopped. Brian takes out both English and Rusev on the floor, hits a flying knee off the apron, a lot of fire from Brian, uh, missile drop kick, and then did a kip up, which kind of annoyed me because they're telling the story that his ribs are hurt, and Rusev's been attacking the ribs, and he does this kip up. And then he goes for the flying knee, but it's stopped with a kick to the bad knee, to the bad ribs. And Brian is down. Rusev hits the Machka kick. And he pins Daniel Bryan clean. Mm-hmm. Rusev wins. And Brian is just seated on the apron, disappointed. And the show ends. And I didn't know what to make of this. I would have said two weeks ago that they're out of their minds to beat Daniel Bryan like this. I still kind of feel that way. But I, yeah. I don't know what the story is here. Like, they're kind of playing it up that Big Cass had beaten this guy down. He's so hurt. And I think there's actually mm. something there to that maybe should have been kind of played out a bit more from the beginning. Like, here's this guy that's coming back that is not 100%. He hasn't wrestled in three years. He's got all these concerns that you can tell this interesting story with. Um but I also feel I'm giving way too much benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I didn't even get that big of a sense of, of the injury taking that much of a toll on Brian, at least, you know, in, in the way that it led to this finish. Um, 
Like, I, if that was the case, I would have had Brian come out with taped up ribs, you know, just to really sell that injury. I just sure. didn't get the sense that it, it played that much of a factor in the loss here. Um, the booking was interesting of this because I think they knew that we'd all complain the moment that Brian took his first loss. But the guy that he lost to is the guy that we've all been complaining hasn't won enough. So <laughs> I think it really puts their audience into a bit of a predicament. On the one hand, we want to complain. You just made this guy lose. On the other hand, they're giving us exactly what we want by giving Rusev a big win. So uh, I, I'm very curious to see what the reaction is online here. But clearly, I would say, like, with the amount of focus they put on Brian to close the show, I think they're going to use this loss to tell a bigger story, whether it be with Cass, maybe it's with Miz. Not exactly sure right now. Like he was he was the focus. It was not Rusev winning. It was Brian losing was the story. Yes, yes. And, you know, I'll say at least with the outcome of this, I think putting Brian and the money in the bank would have been a waste anyway. I, I, I didn't like that idea at all. Yeah. I, I don't th- I don't think he should win it. And I wouldn't want him to be one of eight guys that just loses in that scenario. Exactly. I wasn't a big fan of him losing here, but I didn't like the idea of him in that money in the bank match either. So, you know, I like. Yeah. And, and so I'm really not of the mind that he needs to go on this crazy winning streak all the way until WrestleMania. That's not the character anyway. Uh, he just needs to look strong enough. I feel like giving him the win over Cass maybe was enough to at least slot him at a certain level. Eh, he didn't have to lose clean to Rusev, though, I'll say that. Uh, but I'll see what type of story that they're trying to tell with Brian here. So I'm willing to give it a chance. Yeah, I, I think that if you wanted to get this story across, I think you could have done something presented as like more brutal. Like Rusev... Fully like head kicking him or something like that, where you tease something horrible with Brian. Like a that concussion? really, you tease something. You tease that like this guy was it the right call to come back when he's vulnerable and Rusev exploited this. First of all, I wouldn't use Rusev in that role. I'd want to put like the heinous heel in that role, which Rusev isn't. Um, I think there's different ways you could have beat him to tell a bigger story of this guy isn't a hundred percent. And he's coming back and trying to compete at a level he hasn't competed at in three years. It's also really strange for Rusev because, I mean, um, here's a fan favorite and you're kind of putting him into a position where you're really trying to get the audience to boo the guy, it feels. Uh, First of all, you know, having him turn uh, side with Lana and baby facing English in this program that I think they're still going to continue with. And now, secondly, having him beat the, the ultimate fan favorite clean. Like it really does feel like they are really wanting to stick stick with Rusev as a as a heel. You know who would have been great for this role? Andrade. Oh, excellent, excellent. That would have been oh. like what a way to establish him. If yeah. you if you're going to beat Daniel Bryan, that would be the guy I would have done it with on this show. Yeah, with Zelina Vega, like a great. That's a great first win for him, and I don't think one that. Like, one you could use to catapult into a story for Brian about losing. And, yeah, because, like, Rusev getting that win on Brian, I don't know how much it really does for Rusev, but uh, that type of win for Andrade, I think, would have been huge for him. So that was SmackDown. It was a very weird show. Um, Just a whole show of primarily heels going over, um, with the exception of Charlotte. And Well, that's fine. I mean, that's how you, you set up stories, right? Yeah, but I, I don't even know if you really have stories. Go, like, I don't think Jeff Hardy and Miz is continuing with anything. I don't think that... I mean, the Iconics feud with Charlotte seems... It will continue, but it just has not a whole lot of mm. int- intrigue attached to it. Um, yeah, and we'll see what they do with Brian coming out of this. Do you 
Do you feel Money in the Bank is going to be Daniel Bryan and Cass? Are we tied to that feud for five, six more weeks? Is he mm. going to get credit for weakening Bryan for this loss to Rusev? Mm. Well, it depends on how, how far, how long they want to delay the Miz match. Um, Imagine we got Daniel Bryan versus Cass and Jinder versus Roman Reigns in Chicago at Money in the Bank. That's all very possible. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, that's a long time from now, so I'm going to say no. Um, and hopefully Bryan gets something else at SummerSlam. All right. Uh, that was SmackDown. Uh, do you want to go to feedback right now? What do you sure. want to do? Uh, okay, let's, let's go on over to forum.postwrestling.com. And tonight... Your rating of SmackDown was a 7.55. Jesus. Wow. So there you go. Whooped raw this week. We start off with Chris from Melbourne, Australia. So we are to believe that the New Day has stolen all the gear of the bar and replaced it with pancakes. But come match time, Cesaro has not only surprisingly found some ring gear to wrestle in, but it's his own. What was the point of this skit? Also nice to see Becky recycling Seth's old trunks. Remember, kids, reduce, reuse, recycle. Tonight was my breaking point after a very lackluster week. I need to tune out of WWE for a while, but I'll keep listening to Post every week. Well, thank you, Chris. And you are not the first person that has told me that they are going on a hiatus after this week. Mm-hmm. It seems like this week was, you know, the last month was all the post-WrestleMania buzz, and a lot of people are just taking a break, and they'll come back when things pick up. Well, yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. I just, I'm, I'm surprised that it was like, backlash that was a, the the breaking point for so many people because like mm, i don't i don't know if like everything else has been that bad maybe i'm just like i've got like stockholm syndrome at this point i don't know but like i thought backlash was terrible yes but i didn't think everything else surrounding it i from from april onwards has been that awful um but i i, I don't know i can i can see people wanting to tune out that's fine. We go to Brendan from California, longtime listener, first time poster patron. Uh, really good show overall. The opening match and main event were great. And despite a few sloppy moments in the Mandy Becky match, both women's matches were pretty good. While Shinsuke was a standout amongst the back- backstage sketches, I was bummed out that pathetic Oscar by that pathetic Oscar promo, and the rest were med- middling at best. Really happy to see Rusev get that win over Brian, though. I know much- nothing much will come of it. <laughs> High hopes. Kenrique, I didn't watch this show because I'm so absurdly burnt out that I literally can't for a bit. Super thankful you guys make it possible to keep up on things. Would not blame either of you for taking a break. Thank you so much for this feedback. He gives us a 10 out of 10, though, on the podcast, so thank you. Well, thanks. Brandon from Oshawa. SmackDown continues to be on a roll since the superstar shakeup. I figured Brian might lose his match when Miz won, but I'm glad Rusev got a clean win. Money in the Bank already has three guys I wouldn't mind winning. I hope Andrade goes after the U.S. title when he arrives. I have faith in SmackDown right now, so I have high expectations. I don't want to see interviews with him about his love for his sisters or whatever other relatives he may have. 24 hours later. Is that promo not like the weirdest thing? Yeah, it's very bizarre. And uh, I wonder how they're going to follow up next week. You know? Like, I'm trying to wonder if this is like a series with Bobby Lashley. So every single week we get maybe like a bit of an insight into his uh, whatever uh, mind mindset. Um, and maybe this was like the first episode of, you know, the whole Bobby Lashley family story. But 
I don't know. It wasn't a very good first uh, pilot, I'll say. Maybe it turns out he has a distant sister named Ashley. Huh? Fourth sister. Ashley Lashley. Matt writes, looks like SmackDown is going in the direction of not featuring everybody every week, which I believe is best instead of cramming as much as possible into one show. But I feel Joe should have had at least somewhat of a presence on the show. I didn't even think of that. There was not a trace of Samoa Joe on the show. What did he do, though? He lost the Roman. What's he, what's he supposed to say? He was in the main event. So? Well, I mean, he's theoretically your top heel on this show, and not even yeah. a mention of him. But listen, like when, when, when they did this draft, and we saw how stacked SmackDown was, we said, hey, sometimes somebody has to take a week off, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. They have yeah, enough trouble. Right. They have enough trouble fitting talent onto this show as it is. It's not like Joe has any more to gain by being on this show versus him being on next week, cutting probably the same promo. He goes on to say, "Good to see Rusev get a huge win that took a bit to digest, but I absolutely do not want to see Brian in a hardcore gimmick match anytime soon or ever again, really. And he isn't hurt by this at all. Discouraged Daniel Bryan brings me deja vu of Gargano failing to capture the NXT title, and the announcers really drove the Cinderella angle hard for Brian." This opens the door for Almas a bit later on, which I think is a subtle but very effective stroke of creativity. If I had to knock it, this feels extremely rushed, but it feels it. But if it gets us to a non-cast program, then I'm on board. I don't mm. know about that. They have to do at least another match with cast, whether that's TV or the pay-per-view. I think that is going to happen. And what do you do in that match? How do you finish that? Do you think like who comes out on top ultimately in the same angle or this feud? Um. Well, it depends on where this story goes, where, mm-hmm. I mean, all I'll say is I hope they beat Brian for a really great reason, and I'm kind of pessimistic about that, but I'm not going to cast judgment until we see what they do here with this losing, uh, this decision to beat him, and if it's a bigger story, um, which if they're, I don't know, a losing streak gimmick does not sound very appealing for a guy that should be their top baby face, and within a month, he clearly isn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, we go to uh, our next piece of feedback. I'm out of carrots. I'm out of sticks. Nothing is sacred. No one is special. <laughs> Asuka, I, don't, lo- <laughs> I don't get it either. I don't know what that means. Uh, Asuka loses the streak to heat up Charlotte, who in turn loses clean to Carmella. Rusev is over but consistently eats pins until defeating Daniel Bryan tonight. Also clean. Perhaps I'm not seeing the big picture, but I have no benefits left to give for doubt. Asuka was special. Daniel Bryan's in-ring return was special. All that is left is a foot injury I experienced jobbing to gravel on a sidewalk. One in a million people experienced this fracture by walking. I am special. Happy Rusev Day. Okay. Um, Yeah, one of the things, again, of having Rusev in this role is all the people that have just beat him of late. Like, that Undertaker match, the casket match, it's like, this was clearly not anything that they were building Rusev up for either, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of my negativity towards this. Is like, this is a guy that I don't even feel they're really serious about getting behind. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, who was the one who took the fall at WrestleMania? I mean, this has been a guy they've gone out of their way to beat, and then you just all of a sudden give him this win that I think kind of negates whatever you could have gotten out of this. And as soon as I've thought of this Andrade thing. I think that would have been such a better option of someone with a clean slate. Yeah. Last one. Poor Paige. 
I'm loving Shinsuke's promos more and more each week. Shocked Daniel didn't qualify, but happy for Rusev. Will Mandy and Sonya change the team name, or is Absolution really dead? Paige came off heelish when she banned Sonya. Okay. Those were all just a series of thoughts put together. Um, she banned Sonya. It's for a fair fight. How's that heelish? Yeah, one-on-one. She was backing up Becky. All right. Thanks uh, for everybody's feedback. Uh, we did not do 205 Live tonight, but we do have uh, a network show to discuss. Well, at least I checked this out. Uh, and that was the new table for three called The Show Stealers, starring Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, and Shane McMahon. The Show Stealers. The Show Stealers, okay. Oh, man, Dolph Ziggler can't be, can't be happy about missing out no. on that one. Way you have talked, both of us, we have talked about Kurt Angle sometimes having a lot of trouble uh, pronouncing certain things. Yeah. So now I want you to imagine this man talking while he's got food in his mouth. <laughs> Is I it better? This, oh, God, dude. It was... This ha- I haven't seen all the table for threes. The food is not a main part of the show. It's kind of just there for decoration most times, and they edit around guys that are eating. This, this one, like AJ and Kurt were here for a meal, and they were going to eat <laughs> their entire goddamn meal. AJ ordered <laughs> spaghetti and giant meatballs. With garlic oh bread, and he plowed through this thing. Angle and Shane are sharing love stories about the King of the Ring match they had, and AJ's just not even paying attention. He is just eating away uh, throughout all of this. Now, the most interesting thing that people are going to discuss of, of, of this show is, first of all, we have Kurt and Shane uh, talking about their match, and then AJ and Kurt start talking about their previous matches in TNA. And lo and behold, we got B-roll of their TNA match, one of their matches from 2010. And they worked out a deal where they licensed the footage from Impact and gave them a plug at the end of the show where you can go watch all of AJ and Kurt's matches in Impact by downloading the Global Wrestling Network app. Mm -hmm. So that part was interesting. Yeah, definitely. Good deal, you think? Um, for impact, absolutely no, nothing to, uh, I, I, I think it was a great deal for them. I think a great deal for both on both accounts. What I would be intrigued, uh, to, to know about is how this came up because this specific match that they talked about, Shane mentioned that he had seen the match and he's even talking about spots in the match. And he said that in the King of the Ring match with Kurt, There's a vertical suplex on the ramp that Kurt messed up his tailbone. And then Shane brings up the fact that AJ delivered the same spot to Kurt in their 2010 match. Hmm. So part of me is thinking, like, did Shane just really have an incredible recall of this match? Or did they know ahead of time that they would have this footage, which I have a hard time imagining. So my, my guess is that Maybe this just naturally came up. And when you're hearing them describe this match, like it's a great story and there's parallels to the King of the Ring match that you almost had to have B-roll of this match. But I'm just curious of how this happened because I can't imagine them going so far out of their way just to get footage for a table for three on a match that 
didn't need to be discussed, but enhanced this discussion. Yeah, certainly. And it makes you wonder what the future relationship might be for, at least as, as it relates to, you know, shows like this. Shows where uh, WWE, t- current WWE talent will talk about old TNA moments. Are they free now to cover their TNA history? Is Bobby Lashley free to talk about the last eight years of his life? Uh, if that means a simple phone call to TNA, or sorry, Impact, asking them, hey, can we get some footage of such and such match? We'll put your logo on the bottom of the screen. It'll be on Raw, and a ton of people will see it. See it. I mean, I, I don't see Impact or Anthem saying no to that, necessarily, to an extent. I, I think I especially on the, on the network, I think that that, that that barrier has now been lifted. Hey, if it was Raw, I think, I think Impact would be even happier to say yeah, yes. Yeah, well, I'd be surprised if we'd see impact footage on on television. I think that's that's another step up. But mm. um I think now the door is at least open. And I heard from the impact side on Tuesday and they said it was um WWE was great to work with. They were very, it was just very it sounded like it was just like a real simple thing and there were no nothing to work through. So yeah. I would imagine that now given the amount of impact alumni I think that this is now something that they can regularly go to if they need it. It feels, and for, and yeah. Sorry for for impact. It's it's a total win. Well, it feels to me like they are giving impact basically. They're looking at impact the way they would look at any of the other indies, like the way they would look at an, an ROH or the way they would look at you know uh, Evolve. Or I guess they have a working relationship with Evolve, but like you know, is it just a, the borrowing footage from any any number of you know. Uh, uh, existing companies out there that have a tape library and you know we'll throw a little bug in the corner saying courtesy of such and such go check out more here like to me it just feels like they don't necessarily see any of that as as a real threat uh so other stuff they talked about the king of the ring match a lot with with kurt and shane shane brought up the fact that when he got backstage the whole locker room was giving him a standing ovation he called it one of the greatest moments of his life of anything he's done but then that immediately uh, plunged when he saw his wife who was in tears having watched what he did out there. And it's even watching the highlights of this match. It's nuts. Like these guys are just laughing about Shane landing headfirst on the cement when the glass wouldn't break and they show the replay and it's just horrifying. And he said that Vince was furious at him and that on three separate occasions, Vince was about to come out and stop the match. Wow. Because he thought it was so violent. Ooh. Um, and Kurt and Shane are just laughing about all this. Um, they what well, else? Can you they, imagine like how how that family must have felt for any of the other Shane stunts? I I can't imagine the, the, his family being there in the in the front row at WrestleMania where he yeah. dives off the the cage. Uh, he talked about that story, bringing his kids out. Um, what else was discussed? They may <laughs> Kurt just randomly starts one of the chapters with. What do you guys do to keep up your cardio? And Shane's just like, oh, I, I run around with my kids. And then AJ's talking about, we got DDP yoga footage as well in this, where he's talking about that. And he mentioned that um, Kurt goes to AJ. Yeah, and you, you don't lift weights, do you, AJ? He's like, no, I, I, I lift weights. And Shane's like, no. And, British, <laughs> and AJ just gives him this look like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh that part was kind of funny and then they they 
They did a chapter on what they prefer being baby faces or heels. Kurt said he loved being a heel. He was he just thought he was really great at it, but felt in his career he should have been a baby face more. Um, I guess he just feels he 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 had more of a baby face run in him that he didn't get around to. Mm-hmm. Shane preferred being a heel as well. AJ said, at this stage of my career, I prefer being a babyface. I like being nice to people. And uh, Shane and and Kurt agreed that AJ is a very nice guy. And I guess that's about it. Um, cool. It was an interesting table for three. It's it's 23 minutes, and I, I found it interesting. The three all seemed to get along. Um, Kurt, it, it, honestly, it was, it was hard to understand him at times as he was going over stuff. But And then at the end, he proposed... They have a three-way together match. Could happen. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. What? What else? Uh, what other table for threes have they got coming up? Oh, they've showed highlights of a bunch coming up. I think there's one with DDP, Nash, and Flair. They've got one with Nia, Alexa, and I think Beth Phoenix. They've there's got... one with Trish, Lita, and somebody else uh, uh, Alexa oh maybe Alexa's on that one yeah um I was thinking yeah with Trish and Lita um yeah I don't, I don't know all the other oh they've got one with Edge and Christian and the Hardys I guess table oh, for four cool so that'll be that, fun yeah uh yeah I guess that's about it uh we were just gonna quickly go over the matches for uh for Ring of Honor this week as we mentioned we're gonna go to the War of the World show on on Friday uh, Way is going to go get a photo op with Sumi Sakai. And this is the lineup, Way. We've got Adam Page against Silas Young for the television title. Dalton Castle, Kenny King, Jay Lethal, and Flip Gordon against Tetsuya Naito. Oh, no, Naito's not in this match. It's Hiromu Takahashi, Evil Sonata, and Bushi. And then Tetsuya Naito against the Beer City Bruiser. Huh? Wow. Well, I mean, they've got a lot of matches to to put on i guess so uh the young bucks against the super smash brothers that should be great that should be really fun Mm -hmm. uh jushin thunder liger against cody which i I actually think will be pretty good actually yeah like this is a match where like a lot of new japan undercards liger's just you know he's the nostalgia figure but not really all that important he'll be treated like a major star on this show you have a strong heel and a very strong baby face in jushin liger yes uh, Rapongi 3K and Rocky Romero against Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. And the main event is Punishment Martinez challenging Jay White for the United States title. Which mm. Martinez just beat Tomohiro Ishii at the Supercard of Honor show. And he's not beating Ishii if for no reason. So I'm not saying there will be a title change here, but if there was, it wouldn't completely shock me. How often have they. When was the last time they, they had a ROH um, talent win New Japan title? A New Japan title? Yeah. Um, I guess you would have to go to... Uh, you, you'd have to go back a bit. I'm probably not thinking of an obvious one. Do you think they would do that for the U.S. title? I'm not expecting it. Um I think White will ultimately retain. Mm-hmm. Um, but Punishment Martinez, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons to see that they would want to bring that guy over yeah. to Japan mm-hmm. uh, at some point um, and possibly be on the San Francisco show where he could he could do something. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up the show, everybody. 
thank you for tuning in. Uh, Way, are, are there any final uh, comments to make? Anything we didn't get to? Man, I watched the Avengers again today. Oh, did it live up to Dude. the same level? Oh, I liked it. I mean, I liked it. Uh, it, it was, I'll say, like, watching it a second time, and I, I won't spoil anything for people who still haven't seen it. You have no excuse, really, but I won't spoil it. But seeing it a second time after, like, you know, watching a number of reviews, getting a lot of my thoughts about it, and maybe seeing some of the other Marvel films leading up to this one in the in the in the break I had in between the two, I feel like this was almost like an entirely different experience. Like, because I know, like, when we rewatch matches, like I know sometimes, John, like we might talk about a match and we'll have our reactions to it the first time. But if we really love a match and we go back to watch it, you get so much more out of it because um, I think like this second time, like I knew exactly where these characters were all going to end up. So I could at least like, I feel like I could study their narratives. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you, are you explaining you got more enjoyment out of an experience by knowing the finish ahead of time? A different experience. I'm not saying a better one, you know, because I think having the initial experience with surprises is its own thing. The second time, obviously the surprises weren't there, but I feel like I have a different appreciation for it. More of like a producer's appreciation in that like when you're making something, you're probably watching something over and over and over again and making sure every detail is perfectly lined up, at least in, in good works of art. And I feel like watching it a second time, I was able to catch a lot more of those details. And man, the whole thing like is solid, man. Like characterization throughout the entire thing is solid. Even for somebody like a like a Scarlet Witch, who initially on first viewing I thought was quite lacking. I'm watching it a second time, and I'm like, you know what? I can buy this. I can totally buy this. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to update people because I knew uh, people enjoyed our discussion. Okay, can I add one story? And it someone is going to get annoyed if it's of an course Avengers you spoiler. So stop right now if you haven't seen The Avengers, because God forbid I say something that alludes to anything in the movie. Uh, but <laughs> I was listening to uh, Muhammad Lawal, our ROH viewing buddy. Uh, he was on the MMA Hour on Monday. He's fighting on Saturday night against Ryan Bader. And he starts cutting this promo. And he goes to Ariel. He's like, have you seen Infinity War yet? And Ariel hasn't seen it yet. He's like, well, I'm Thanos. And Ryan Bader, he's the Incredible Hulk. He don't want none. He don't want none in me. And he cut this great promo, comparing himself to Thanos. There's no spoiler in that. Well, someone's going to now know that Hulk didn't stand up to him. Oh. Like, well, again, watching it a second time, man, like, Thanos' choreography, they clearly got somebody who knew how to do some boxing to do his stuff. Well, now you're making me want to go see this again. Yeah. I have no time. Uh, all right, that's going to really wrap up the show now. Uh, as I mentioned, Saturday night, I'm going to be doing a UFC post show, and I'm going to put up a thread on the forum uh, because I don't get to chat mixed martial arts as often anymore, so I'm going to just put up a thread uh, and take questions at the end of the show. Uh, any MMA-related questions. It doesn't have to be specific to UFC 224. But that's going to be coming up. A solo show for myself. I'm just going to talk into a microphone until I can't talk any longer. So that will be up Saturday at postwrestling.com. Uh, that's all. And we will chat with you later on this week. Tune in to uh, Keep It 2000 Wednesday night. Up next on Thursday. And you can go click on the subscribe button on the main page. And you can find the individual feeds for both those shows. Subscribe to them. Leave them some five-star feedback. We appreciate it very much. For Way, I'm John Pollock.